This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey, Clone Club. This is Marco Palmieri, producer of Rome's Orphan Black, The Next Chapter. And I just want to say, as a huge fan of the Orphan Black TV series, it's been an absolute joy to continue the Sestra saga in audio drama form. And I want to thank you all so much for supporting our podcast. We'll be back with the next episode on December 30th, but in the meantime, we wanted to share a sneak peek of a special bonus episode with you. One of the benefits of subscribing to Realm Plus on Apple Podcasts is special access to full bonus episodes like this one, along with ad-free listening and early access. We hope you enjoy this sneak peek of the Orphan Black The Next Chapter reunion panel with Tatiana Maslani, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Broom. So look, I, I want to I take you all back, if I may, to where, where it all sort of began. 
season one. That's where we're going in the time machine. We're going in the DeLorean, Doc Brown's DeLorean. We're right. setting up for, uh, for 2013. Uh, I, I remember moderating the Comic-Con panel out in San Diego right after season one at air. And then Tat and Jordan, you guys were there. And it, it was a, a, a madhouse. It was crazy because it was booked in a just a, a way too small room. Because when it was booked, the show hadn't taken off yet, right? Well in advance. By the time the panel happened, it was bananas. So people were camped out waiting to get in. And, you know, I've moderated a lot of panels in Hall H with 8,000 people plus. And, but I've never felt anything like the energy in that much smaller room back in 2013, right as this show was kicking into serious gear. And I, I'm curious from, from, to hear from you guys, what was your first indication that there was a very intense and committed fan base? And that this was more than just a show to a lot of them, because you guys make the show and you're kind of in a bubble when you do it. And then, you know, some reviews come out and people like it and this and that. But this 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 had a connection to fans that I've very rarely seen. Tatiana, what, what was sort of the first time you sort of were made aware of that? I feel like it was um, it was a collision of a lot of moments that first <clears throat> Comic-Con like stepping out at Nerd HQ and feeling that energy of like a crowd of people who knew the show. And then, and, and I think I've spoken about this before and I'm just remembering it now, but like people dressed up in very esoteric versions of the characters that only would make sense if you were like dedicated to the show. Um, and then just like, I think just incrementally as we went on hearing from more people, hearing like, the ways the characters impacted them. Uh, I I have a book right now that someone wrote about, like, it's like, I think a dissertation on orphan black and sexuality and gender in it and all of this. And so I think it's like, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, you know, contending with the amount, you know, like the, the impact that it had. And it's like, it's amazing. It was, it's still, you know, shocking. It's still nuts. But I get it. Like I, I, you know, I know there are things that I watch that I'm like, oh, thank God, there's this because like there's my sense of humor, or there's like the way my brain works, or there's a, a person I've never seen before on screen that I'm like, oh, cool, like that's possible. You know, it's it's. I think that's like the most powerful thing that TV could can do, or storytelling can do. What about for the rest of you? Any of you have uh, those moments? I remember the first time I, I got recognized for the show, I was, at, I was at a winery. I was on a wine tour and <laughs> I was buying some wine and I was, it was like the, the summer after the first season aired. And so at the end of first season, Donnie was a bad guy. He turned out to be, you know, uh, uh, Allison's monitor. So, uh, and that quickly falls apart, but in season two, but it was between seasons and I was checking out, I was buying a couple bottles of wine and the lady at the cash register was like, you look familiar. I know you from somewhere. <laughs> oh, you bastard. And she got like, <laughs> all of a sudden, like when she realized who I was, I was like, I, it's just characters, just characters. <laughs> but, but I, I was very shocked and surprised and it was in front of my friends. So it was extra embarrassing, but, uh, the weirdest then, part is she wasn't recognizing you from TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny of <man. laughs> uh, Jordan, I feel like any sort of in-person interaction with you would involve them like freaking out over you not being British. 
<laughs> yeah, yes, it's quite, it's become quite the parlor trick. Uh, and it, it's really, I, I still, I think the weirdest part was when I, I did like a fan event in the UK and, and that's always, you know, accents are always a point of contention. The, the idea that anyone from the UK like bought into me being British mm-hmm. was both a tremendous relief because uh, accents are scary and also just like a total compliment and like some of the most fun fan interactions I've had because we just end up talking about regional dialects for 10 minutes. But similarly to Tat, I think it was the Nerd HQ panel that we did at, at Comic-Con that first year because you do make a show in a vacuum. And I think everybody was, uh, and maybe this is, uh, maybe I'm assuming too much, but I think everyone sort of assumed it was kind of a little show. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, we didn't really know how the broadcast was going to work. Whether or not people would see it at all would just be a miracle. I think everybody sort of assumed, yeah, we'll maybe get a couple of seasons and we're going to have a lot of fun. But the it was, I think, no expectations met with such an incredible reaction from all of the audience members that just threw me for such a loop. I, I, I feel like we, I kind of feel like we also got very emotional at the Nerd HQ panel. Like we were all about to burst into tears because it was just so unexpected. We didn't expect anything from anyone. So to get all of that energy coming at you was, um, was, it's just shocking. Mm. Let, let, let's fast forward five years now. Uh, and what was it like then having to say goodbye to the characters the first time? I know you're all actors. I know you're used to moving on from roles. You know, but these are people you played for an extended period of time. And this was also a project that was really big for your careers. Um, Evelyn, we'll start with you. What, what was it like when you had to, at that point, say goodbye to Delphine? It's strange. I don't feel like I've said goodbye yet. Because I feel like it lives on in a way. I feel like people carry those characters. I feel like um, because it's on um, platforms that people can access, they go back to it. I think new fans are joining into Clone Club and with, you know, these, um, the project that we're doing now, it's, you know, it's still alive. And I feel like we're getting still so much feedback and and so much positive energy still from it that in it. And I think it gives a lot of, positive energy to people still. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't said goodbye, I think yet. Was it emotional for any of you? Uh, yeah. When you were, you know, yeah. uh, after season five, tell me about that. We well, were the there. Night- oh shit. There you go. Go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say like the night, that, like the very last night of shooting, everybody yeah. had kind of agreed and, and hung out and stayed late. I actually left. <laughs> I think I, I said. <laughs> I think I think I was like I have to catch a flight or I have to do something. No, it, I, it was I'm like listening. four in the morning when they wrapped, and we were like, all getting on a flight that morning at like eight to go. Yes, to Yes, but to do you panel. stayed. Other people stayed. I I I just couldn't. I couldn't do the. And I didn't. I didn't know that at the time. But I was like, no, no, I can't. I I don't want to be here. I don't want to be. I don't want to be here for the last moment. I'm not good at that. I don't want to say goodbye. I'm not interested in that. So I took off early and pretended that wasn't happening. <laughs> but uh, I did I did go. I just didn't want to be there for like the moment. I don't know why. It, I think it was, it just was really sad to say goodbye to something that meant so much to us. Wow. Isn't it cool to hear the gang back together again? 
Hear the full conversation, plus get other benefits like ad-free listening and early access when you join Realm Plus on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, Clone Club.